coming to you from the Deep South. This is the Blue Collar Leadership Podcast. High impact leadership is not reserved for leaders, and it has nothing to do with your position, title, or rank. However, it does have everything to do with your character. It's time to climb to the next level and beyond, personally and professionally. Now, let's start making it happen with your host, Max Story. Hello, and thanks for listening to the Blue Collar Leadership Podcast today. I'm interrupting my series on Who's Buying You to share a recent interview I conducted. But my series on Who's Buying You will continue next week. So today I got a, a special guest. You guys know I don't have a lot of guests, but the ones I do, they, they mean something to me, and I thank a lot of them. And and today is Mr. Jason Haynes, and he's got a uh, he's gotten actually certified. I think he's on three of my books, but I'm going to let him introduce himself. He knows far more about him than I do. So welcome to the show, Jason. Thank you for having me today, uh, Mac. I, I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, I know a few weeks back, I was listening to one of your podcasts, and you had talked about having people come on for a possible interview and everything. And I'm like, I want to reach out to Mac because I've, I've talked to you before a couple of times on the phone. Uh, an avid listener to all your your podcasts, and really that's where I got an accidental start in, in listening to your podcast is just through one day I was looking up blue collar jobs. Really love the blue collar uh, field and everything, and grew up in the blue collar field in Southeast Ohio. Uh, okay. One of the things you always say is, uh, I I speak two languages. I speak hillbilly and and English, and that's really where it, it, your podcast kind of struck or stuck with me as far as as far as being able to take a listen to them. But yeah, I just grew up in Southeast Ohio, uh, went into manufacturing, uh, worked on the front lines, went into leadership. Uh, in a basic leadership role, I was really good at it. Well, then I started uh, advancing in leadership roles as far as getting into supervision and then production management, and then uh, uh, possibly wanted to go into operations management, but got into that production management role, and I was just struggling as far as trying to figure out how to have time and also be able to lead people and, and teach them the things that I wanted to teach them, and, and that's really my story in a nutshell, the, the, as far as I became passionate in manufacturing and then leadership and then uh, lean management and, and put the three things together and then developed into the, the, where I'm at today. Yeah. And, and, and uh, like you said, I, I, I do, I, I say, I speak English and country, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Some, some people call it hillbilly, <laughs> yep. but, but sometimes I, I'll be in, in different areas of the country and they'll say, Oh, I speak English and hillbilly. I speak English and Southerner. Mm-hmm. Or, or we all got our terms for our country talk, right? And and, and that's, that's just I, part of me being authentic. Yeah, exactly. And that, and that's what I try to tell people is that a lot of times people from different parts of the country are speaking the same language, or they, they may be saying it different ways, and, yeah. and they're saying the same thing. Like exactly. Just from where I'm from, like I said, I'm from Ohio. I'm from the southeast corner of Ohio. My wife's from the southwest corner, and we say pop where I'm from. They say soda where they're from. So okay. We say all, Coke down here in the South. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So everything's a Coke. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's a Coke and everything's a, it doesn't matter if it's a Sprite, a, a Dr. Pepper or anything, but yeah, yep. it's really just about connecting with people and, and getting out there. And the, the, I started listening to your podcast, like I said, accidentally one day I, I, I was trying to figure out 
how to become a better leader. It, and I'd read a few books and some of them didn't stick with me, but for some reason, when I first listened to your podcast, it stuck with me because of the fact that I could relate to your, your story more than I could relate to a lot of other stories. Cause I was trying to figure out how to put it into my level of being more at the front lines and helping people out and, and everything and, and how to, how to save that time. And, and also you always talk about the stories about when you first got into leadership of having in a sense, a bad attitude. And that's really where I was. I, I had a bad attitude and I thought that everybody was against me and not there to help me out. And then I started listening to your podcast. I'm like, you know, really, if I start looking at it and everything, they're not against me. They're there to help me out. And if I don't start helping, you know, not using them in the bad sense, but using them to help and them, me also helping them out. I'm not going to advance my career and I'm not going to be able to help the people that I'm trying to help at the front lines. Yeah. So, so you saying you discovered me through, through my podcast. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when I decided to buy the, the first book I bought. I can't remember the the title of it. I know the, it's got the, the orange writing on the cover was the very first book that I bought. Probably the supervision book. Maybe it's got the guys with the orange hats. Yep. Yeah. That one. Got the guys walking with the yeah. guy in the front with a tie, with a tie on and a couple guys following like the leaders leading. The... Yep. How and long ago was that? You remember? It was probably a good six, seven years ago. Yeah. It, we, we've been I... interacting so long. I couldn't remember, you know, how yeah. we, we met and, and I didn't, I, I didn't even really remember, but, but that's yeah. been a while, been a long while. Yeah, it was uh, about six, seven years ago, and I would listen to you on the way into work. I'm living here in Phoenix now, Arizona, at that time, in the mornings driving into work, I had plenty of time to listen to podcasts because the the uh, uh, traffic at that time was just busy. So I would listen to you going into work, and then I would listen to, to you coming home from work, and I think uh, I was probably, at that time, you probably had about 100, maybe 200 podcasts out probably, there probably less probably less than that because i've only i'm on my sixth season now i was just trying to think about it so yeah it was it was probably five or six years ago and, okay but, but i got a i got a hundred podcasts really quick because to start with i did them every day and they were shorter okay i okay. doing them uh every few days because what i was trying to do is get a lot of content you know when i yeah. first started i didn't yeah. have a lot of content so if i picked up somebody like you i wanted to have some content they could go back and listen to so i started you know started out quick okay. and short and then got a little longer and not as frequently. And now I'm doing them, you know, once a week. And at some point I may do them once every two weeks or once a month, you know, as I get busier. Plus I get right now I got 350 some episodes. It's a lot of, there's a lot of content out there, but I got a lot of more, a lot, lot more books to, uh, you know, do my series on. So I, and I'm always writing books. I'm always reading. So I, I don't know if I'll ever cut back or not. The main thing is just time, time to do it. So go ahead. Well, and the, the funny thing, you speaking of, of books and everything, the second one I actually had was the Blue Collar Kaizen uh, with it uh, to, to basically lead lean teams. And that's really what I was trying to do because of the position I was in. I was trying to lead people at the front lines in lean and trying to teach them how to, to uh, better their processes and everything. But I wasn't in charge of the, the I wasn't technically in charge of a team. I wasn't a manager or anything in that position, but I was in the lean uh deployment and I went through that book and that's really where I started to learn how to lead teams without having uh without having that whole uh title 
So it, the, I didn't have the title, but I was able to influence people in order to teach them how to better their processes and, and get them uh, get them the help that they needed at the front lines. And, and, and that's really where I developed a lot of my uh, my leadership and everything and realized from listening to a lot of your podcasts and listen to a lot of other people that I started reading. And the funny thing you talked about reading from where I do, and it's probably the same from where you came from reading as a guy back in the day was not what you did because, you know, we beat our chest and we're, we're tougher than everybody else. And, and we always know everything. Already. Yeah, we, we always know everything <laughs> and you can't tell us that we don't know something because we do know that. <laughs> and, and I was like, you know, I wish, and, and now I want to teach my kids that I, I want to tell them to pick up books. I wish somebody had told me to pick up books at least once a month, if not multiple times a month. And you don't even have to, you don't even have to take hours out of your day. You can read for 20 minutes. You can yeah. read, you can set you just a keep that drip going. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what I took from a lot of your podcasts and a lot of your books is just be consistent, be be consistent, be present, and keep improving, improving what you do every day. And when you keep improving what you do every day, then you'll be able to have more time to help other people out. And, and I always talk a lot, a lot of the posts that I talk on LinkedIn and everything is lessen the amount of busyness you have in your schedule. Uh, and when I say busyness, I know a lot of people are like, oh, that's, that's just uh, going back and saying you're going to be lazy. And I'm like, no, what I'm saying is instead of doing stuff that doesn't matter, find the stuff that doesn't matter in your daily schedule, put stuff that does matter in your daily schedule, lessen the amount of time that you are spending on that stuff that doesn't matter so you can provide help for other people like you've done with your podcasts and your books and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So that's awesome. And and in a few minutes, I'm going to get to what you're literally doing now, who you do it with, that sort of thing. I want I want to I give you a good plug because, okay. you know, I don't do what you do anymore. And I don't know yeah. a whole lot of people who value what I value, who do what what I used to do and what you're yeah. you're still doing. So, you know, my audience will hear you as a, as a resource, but I just don't want to leave that part about your kids just yet. Cause how, how old are your kids and how many? So, so I got a two-year-old uh, boy and a five-year-old daughter. Um, I, so I'm 45 years old. So I, that's my wife and I started having kids late. Um, of course at the time, how we ended up, my wife and I ended up meeting was through a friend of mine introduced us. He, was a guy that I played baseball with back in Ohio and was her roommate at the time and kept trying to get us to date. We ended up dating. I uh, got married when we was around 35, I think I was. No, actually, probably later than that, 37, I think. Okay. And we, we had the two-year-old or the five-year-old. Uh, and then the two – and he's not a COVID baby. We, we was planning on having the baby during okay. that time. <laughs> and just so happened he was born during COVID uh, – and they're the funny thing is, is I, I look back and I'm like, I didn't think I'd ever have kids. And now I have them and just being able to teach them the things and, and that I made, my parents may have meant the best for us, but didn't get to teach us in, in those, in those times. And it's, it's just fun seeing them grow and it's chaos. They'll, they'll put it that way. When you got that young. <laughs> But it's it's so fun because like right now my daughter's in kindergarten and she's 
where she's at, she's learning the preamble. And and uh, today they did a Veterans Day thing where they sang uh, Proud to be an American and all that kind of stuff. Uh, okay. Now, my boy, I always say, I always say I have, I have a girl and I have a boy because she's into the dancing and, and entertaining and he's into the, the sports and the trucks and the cars and oh, yeah. balls. And I, I think the only two, the, the only thing they actually do together is uh, ride their scooters and, and play on the playset outside. Okay. So that's awesome. Do you, have you happened to, I'm sure you probably know about it, but if not, do you, have you got seven habits for happy kids by chance? I haven't. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, that one's for really young kids. It's like a big book. It's a big picture book, but it's, you know, there's seven habits for, for kids. And then there's seven habits for teens and seven habits for marriages, seven habits for families, you know, seven habits for effect, highly effective people, which is the okay. original kind of book, but the seven habits for kids, you, you, you Definitely your five-year-old is ready for that. Maybe even your two-year-old, but you know, that's, and you know, I I shared just like I'm sharing with you. I shared that with a guy one time I was leading a lean event and the maintenance guy was on there and he's about your age and, and, uh, or probably my my age, I'm 54. So he probably was closer to my age. And uh, yeah, I told him about it and some, some several months out of the blue, I got a random call. I remember I was living in Auburn at the time and I was in my garage doing something. I remember when he called and answered the phone and, and he was so excited. He was fired up and he kind of was shook up. He, you tell he was emotional, like, you know, maybe a tears kind of emotional yeah. a little bit. And he just calling me, just wanting to thank me for, he, he, he got that book finally, you know, he didn't get it when yeah. I first said it, but he never forgot about it. And he got it. And he said, he said, I just want to thank you for how much that book helped me build a relationship with my grandchildren. He said, I got it and we started doing it with them. And he said, this. He said, I learned a lot, but you know, it's simple, you know, it's, it's, it's simple because yeah. it's for kids, but it's to help them learn being proactive, begin with the end in mind. I, I haven't actually seen it, yeah. but, but I've heard people recommend it and I've recommended it and they tried it and, you know, give me that feedback. So maybe something you want to, you want to check out. And that way I would have given anything Jason to, to even be aware of this stuff with my, my kid, my, my son's 32 now, but if he was two or five, when I discovered this stuff, our relationship, yeah. our life, his life, everything be completely different. Well, so congratulations was, to you. <laughs> thank you. And that that's the, actually it's from listening to your podcast and, and, and that I kind of, I wanted to, and listening to the, the things you talked about as, as far as leading your kids and everything, I wanted to be able to, to well, and my wife wanted to be out. I know I pointed back there. She's in the house today. Uh, yeah. But anyhow, I, uh, um, we want to be able to teach our kids that how to lead, but also that failure is not always bad. Like there's going to be times that you fail and that's where you learn from those mistakes and how to, uh, how to overcome those mistakes and, and, and the possibility that there's going to be people that don't like you. And there's going to be the possibility of people do that. They love being around you. And it's, it's something that we want them to understand because it, growing up where I did, my parents weren't bad. Like I said, early on, they was great, but growing up where I grew up at was rural Ohio out in the middle of the sticks. And a lot of times people would shelter their kids out there. And I wasn't, I wasn't uh, always exposed to a lot of stuff being out where I, I, I was at. And that's yeah. what we're trying to expose our kids to is more, more uh 
leadership opportunities. Uh, my daughter currently, we actually didn't take advance her at the uh, dance that she's at because we wanted her to learn how to teach other kids and, and be more of a team player than just a me player. I, I always say that a lot of times. I, a lot of times in today's uh, sports culture with kids and stuff, I, I don't want my kids to always think that they have to be the person that's uh, at the top of the hill. Sometimes that they can be a role player and and also be the person that, that teaches other people how to grow and, and everything. Yep. So, yeah, that, that's good stuff. The earlier they learn that, I mean, yeah. you're going to help him, whatever their life turns out to be, it's going to be completely different. If you were not really familiar with all this type content, yeah. this personal yeah, exactly. growth leadership, you, you're going to give them a, a serious head start. <clears throat> yeah. And that's what we're trying to do is, is give them a head start as far as the, helping them understand that they're, and like I said, Mac, I, I wish it, like you said before, I wish that I could go back and do things differently. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I, I've looked back on my life. It used to be, I looked back on my life and thought everybody was trying to hold me back, but I've looked back now on my life and I'm like, you know, if I had went back and done this differently, this probably would have been different. And, and, and uh, it's not always, well, to be honest with you, it's usually not anybody else's fault. It's usually you got to you got to be able to take a look at the look in the mirror and say, "Hey, it, it, I was part of this problem as well. The, the, what could I have changed in order to become better, it, or what could I have changed in order to have a different outcome? That way, in the future, you have a different outcome as far as what's going on." Yeah, that's that's good stuff. So, and and as I mentioned, you got you got licensed and certified and we actually we're going to be stopping that at the end of this year because we're creating all of our own training yep. videos but you'll get to have that license and everybody else who already has it you'll have it the rest of your life but yep. before we talk about that real quick though what what do you what is your day-to-day -day, like your work your <clears throat> your professional job today so what, what are you doing where are you doing it at and that kind my, of stuff my typical day-to-day -day is, a, is uh, a lot of uh, going into to manufacturers, taking a look at their processes. Um, and the biggest reason, as you said, as you got your start, I also got my start in, in lean manufacturing or lean management. And the story behind that is how I ended up getting really passionate about lean is somebody told me to, in order to advance my career, do a Lean Six Sigma either the green belt or the black belt. Well, I took the, took and I actually got both a green and a black belt. Um, but I realized a lot of what Six Sigma has, you can't really apply it to the front line and, and, and teach people at the front line, that kind of stuff. You want to be able to teach them lean because it's a uh, easier to use a simpler process and it's easier to apply to the front lines where six sigmas more, more statistics and get more in depth so so I, I started the whole lean process and that's when i really got into i was always interested in leadership and that's how i got really interested in leadership at first i the very first uh lean process that i put into place was successful in the fact that it reduced our scrap and reduced our rework and it reduced or it, it, it upped our productivity, but it didn't do what I really wanted it to do was help give me more time to get help other people out. I was still stressed out. So that's where I basically stepped back 
and and as I said, to go back to my my point, when I go into manufacturing facilities, what I'm trying to do is help them reduce the stress of their supervisors and their and their uh, production managers, so they're able to help and grow their people at the front lines through process improvement of lean and and helping them out. So yeah, my day to day is typically just helping manufacturers out whether that's through training facilitation or consulting work it just depends on what the organization wants out of me okay and you travel all over the country or you work in a certain region or uh, certain my, city or how's that work I, i'm pretty much all over the country um okay. as of right now my my region is actually the arizona the state of arizona state of new mexico and southern california but usually i can get out and go to other parts of the country Really, the only part of the country I don't go to is uh, Texas, Oklahoma, and and and, uh, and Kansas and Arkansas, and that's because our uh, our corporate office is in that area, so they they usually take those places. Okay, so that's kind of the center of the, of the, the center of the yep. Yep. southern U.S. basically, yep. right in the middle, almost. Yep. What so, city again? You're in Arizona. Which city is it? I am in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, but I'm in a suburb by, called Gilbert, Arizona. Okay. Yeah. Phoenix. I, I always remember Phoenix has a uh, rustler's roost up there. That, oh that yeah. 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 So, and the funny thing is Mac, I don't know how long ago it's been since you've been down to the Phoenix area. It's, it's uh, been uh, several years. I've only been to that restaurant once, but I go, I go again next time I'm in Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. And it's still great, but it's, it's uh, what you probably remember when you was here to now the growth in freaking Phoenix is just really uh, it, in the 10 years or well, 11 years I've been here. When I first started, my, my wife used to teach a, at a dance company out here and yep. it was cornfields and hayfields. Now, <laughs> it's, now it's basically grown up to the point where the, the, the Metro, well, I just, the, before we uh, had got on here, I was just talking to a couple of guys and uh, there's a, uh, uh, steel mill that used to be like you had to travel to it. It, yeah. it it was almost a half a day's trip now it's literally part of the urban sprawl really yes yeah phoenix is a neat place but it thinking about it though it was probably before covid i think we we yeah. were out there we we've we've spoken in phoenix sometimes we we've been in phoenix i think and drove we've spoken with the city of yuma and the county of yuma okay. the government yep. out there and then sometimes we land in tucson i've spoken in tucson and we spoke to a, a friend of mine was a major in the air force down there and one time we okay. went down there and met with him and spoke to a bunch of the officers in in his unit that you know he was responsible for and and uh but well, we like both of those cities tucson got the big cactus there they're yeah. awesome down there but anyway we ain't here to talk about all that necessarily <laughs> i'll just kind of relating to your your area out there so uh do you want to and we're not done yet by no means unless you need to be but do you want to plug yourself or your company how would somebody get in touch with you right here in the middle in case it, they don't listen to the end so typically how you can get a hold of me uh, the, I'm, I'm active on linkedin uh you can find me through jason haynes or you can get a hold of me through uh our our company industrial solutions as i was saying we do uh lean training uh yeah lean training facilitation and consulting work um i've also do a little bit of leadership training as far as helping people out through your blue collar leadership and everything yeah because so you're licensed on the yep. front lines of book, the supervision book and the, the yep. culture book, three three different books yep yep 
And how you spell your last name so they get it right? Uh, you spell my last name H A I N E S, and I said that slowly because I I do uh, I do speak speak hillbilly as I say in earlier, and a lot of times my accent does not come across to very. I did a training about two years ago, well during COVID, and we had the mask on, and with the accent and the mask, there was a guy in there that literally when I would say Uber, he thought I was saying Uber. <laughs> And I'm like, so, so enunciate, I've gotten better in enunciating a, a lot of that's So my wife also works for one of the local news stations. So she's kind of gotten me to enunciate much better. I still have <laughs> trouble with some, some words uh, as far as like, uh, I'm trying to, uh, there's a word that I use quite often and I, 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 I do screw it up big time when I say it. <laughs> Yeah, that's what's what Rhea tells me. She says she don't enunciate well. I'm like, I'm doing the best I can do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I tell you, I can use this, Jason. Whenever I'm speaking, most time on the stage or whatever, I tell people I speak with a lot of apostrophes, and uh, you know, <laughs> you know, when you see them in writing, they're replacing the letters, but when you hear them, you don't understand it. So I have to help people. I, I know I speak with a lot of apostrophes, and you can't yeah. see them, but if if you if you think something missing, there's an apostrophe right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's usually what I, I'm like, I, I get to talk and then a lot of time, and I don't know if you do this, a lot of times I get to talk and, and I say a word and it triggers a different, not a different thought, but something that goes with what I'm talking about. Yeah, you got to go down and dig deeper to give it some yeah. support content. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so it's like, I, and, and I've always said, and I think it's where I grew up at a lot of times, just trying to explain to, to people because as I was saying, until I started getting into the whole leadership content and everything, you always were trying to prove the other person wrong. And and, and after I got into leadership and taking a look at uh, how I was acting towards people and, and doing stuff and realizing that I was part of the problem, I wouldn't, uh, I would always argue my point and always try to prove people that, that uh, prove other people that they was wrong and I was right. And, and then you would stop talking to people because you uh, would get upset with them and and they don't know what they're talking about. Where now I've, I've got a more of an attitude of I want to hear other people's stories and, and want to understand what they what they're going through. And I, I do understand like at the front lines, I do understand there's other people. And, and that's really how I started really following you and the, why I wanted to help other people out. Because I had friends at the front lines at, at, at manufacturing facilities, or I had friends that couldn't work in manufacturing facilities that I wanted to help out. They, and I shouldn't say they couldn't work there. They just couldn't because of their circumstances, such as they may have had a kid out of wedlock or, or they maybe take care of a parent and the hours just didn't work out. And I wanted to be able to help those people out or yeah. like people in the manufacturing facilities that I knew could be in leadership or that I knew could be in, uh, a trade or something. And we, you heard it as well as I've heard it today. We just can't find any skilled, skilled workers. And I'm like, a lot of times you got to walk out and look at the front lines and they're right there. You just got to wait, waiting to be developed. Yeah. Waiting to be unleashed. Yeah. <laughs> wait, waiting to get noticed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and that's where I really, I, I've wanted to help those people. And, and I know the, the song that came out a while back, the, you probably heard it, the rich man north of rich. Oh, yeah. Talked about. Yeah. Oh, 
a lot of Anthony. Yeah. yeah. A lot of those people talk that he's talking about in that song is like that they want want help. They just don't know the direction to go. And yeah. that's where I was. I I didn't know where to go. I didn't know who to turn to. And, and that's where when I came across your podcast, a lot of what you talked about was like. Your story was like hearing my story. And, and that's when I was like, oh, OK, maybe it is not. Not just myself, but maybe it's because I didn't know which direction or who to turn to and, and what to do. And and listen to a lot of the stuff you would talk about uh, once you started going into leadership and stuff and people putting putting that uh, faith in you and, and, and showing you that there's a different direction. That's when, well, a lot of your life changed. That's when a lot of my life changes is people helping me out and realizing that they're helping me out. I didn't have to do it on my own and and there's a, a better path and a better way to help people out. And, and a, one of the frustrating things I usually hear is when we can't find new people or we can't find enough skilled people, I'm like, you got them right there at the front lines. You got to start changing your processes in order to get them time because a lot of times they have a family. They're not going to go to a school if they got a family or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah, if you'd actually tap into those people and let them be part of the decision making and all that, if you'd actually use the team as a team instead of just a group of people to do yeah. some work, you'd actually build a team, which which what I call low impact leaders, managers of people. They're, they're never going to do that. But high impact leaders of people who are also always high impact managers of processes and things, that yeah. those kind of leaders would take the same group of people and, and turn them into a team. And they may disrupt everything they've ever been doing, but they'll be. Yeah highly efficient they'll become flexible because because that's what they want they want flexibility they want results and they want all this but they also want to have a, a life of, of some kind yeah but but a lot of times it's all about the leader you know it's all about me how do i create what i want how do i get what yeah. i want i'm just you, you know pay these people fair give them some benefits and and they ought to just be happy to to come along but they're, they're people too they've got ambitions and dreams and desires and a life yeah. And I can't remember if you said it or if it's somebody else I've heard say it. Also, the way you treat those people is going to reflect how they sell the company outside of. Oh, yeah. I talk about that a lot. Okay. That's I was not, thinking. I was that's thinking not a truth. Yeah. What I talk about is, you know, if, if you want to know what all the people inside of your company are saying about your company on the outside, how hard is it to find people or how, yeah. how hard is it to find good people or how hard is it to find top talent? And because everybody, you know, most leaders, I'll ask them, you know, do, do you see everybody at every level in your organization? Do you see them and treat them as a culture ambassador? Because that's, you know, I say yeah. brand ambassador because that's what everybody relates to. But what I'm really talking about is a culture ambassador because they're spreading word of mouth constantly, everybody. And everybody who's ever worked there, including the ones who've been fired, they're 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 still talking about the company, even though they may have been gone ten or fifteen years. And if you want to attract top talent, you got to get everybody in there. You got to lead them in such a way that they they want to spread positive word of mouth advertisement nonstop. Exactly, and even better is that they're talking about trying to get high school kids and and uh, and younger people interested in manufacturing in manufacturing or in uh, blue collar trades. And I'm like. Well, you got to realize if you don't treat the parents that are working at the front lines, well, they're selling to their kids and and telling their kids, my the case in point, my dad and my grandpa told me 
to never go into manufacturing. Now I ended up in manufacturing, but that that that's because I partied too much at, at, at college and and didn't take that too seriously. Yeah. Uh, I got a degree, but it was after I went and got into manufacturing. But yeah. I thought I disappointed my parents because I went into that. So at first I had a bad attitude thinking this is just a rum dumb job. I'm going nowhere. I And a lot of our, a lot of frontline leadership or not just frontline leadership, even upper management leadership has to realize that when you treat the frontline employees badly, they're going home to tell their kids, you do not want to go into that field. You need to. And their friends at, at the yeah. ball game on Friday night. Yeah. Saturday afternoon, wherever they, you know, when somebody says just natural network and you meet somebody and they say where you work, what you do, what's it like? I mean, yeah, they about to start advertising for your company and leaders have to understand that because it matters. Yep. A lot of times the, the easiest way to get employees into your company is the people with the front lines. If you treat them well, they're going to tell their friends about it and they'll bring people in. And usually when you bring people in that know each other, they work a lot better together because they don't have to they don't have to go through that whole relationship building process in order to work together so yep and if they recommend to their boss and the boss actually hires them they want to help that person be successful especially if they know them yep but you yep. know that's where you when you do that you're starting to include the workforce in decision making i mean about who who are we going to hire so you it, that that's pretty cool so how how have what's something personal that you've learned either from from my books or somebody else's books, but it doesn't matter. But you know, what's a personal couple of one or two principles in your personal life that has really resonated that that kind of made you think, pause, maybe shift directions or something like that. So I think the biggest thing, the, the biggest principle I've learned, not just from your book, but also from picking up the Bible uh, oh, yeah. and, and a lot of other things is always take a look in the mirror and realize that you have a choice, uh, whether it's a, a choice of what you're doing or a choice of how you do things or a choice of how you're living your life is really one of the the big principles I've, I've learned. And I think I spoke a little bit about when I was talking about my kids, I, I, I want to be able to teach them that I, as far as understanding that you have a choice throughout your life. And that's my big, one of my, one of the biggest principles I've picked up, through a lot of leadership books such as yours uh i was actually uh taking a look at uh uh dichotomy of leadership by oh by yeah yep. Dr. Been this morning, um and reading some of the quotes in there uh, but just taking a look at yourself and realizing it actually really does i i'm not a self-help person but i really do realize that it, it does take you got to start working on on what you do and, and yourself before you're able to help others because if if as i was saying earlier if you're busy you're not gonna be able to help anybody else because there's always going to be other priorities in the back of your head that you're not that you're going to have that take priority over helping other people and then the second yep. the second i believe is uh and i lost train of thought on this one is uh is basically i think uh being able to well, just to go back to it, being able to help others, you got to help yourself first and become less, as I say, less busy, less uh, less clutter in your mind. And and I'll have to come back to it. I know there was a principle as I was talking. There there went the whole, uh, I start thinking of other things while I'm talking. Yep. <laughs> uh, it happens to me all the time. 
I, I do that quite often. It's funny because they'll, they'll uh, be talking and I forget somebody's name because of the fact I, I start thinking of other things as I'm talking. And it's usually not the person right directly in front of me, but I'll forget people's name of, of somebody I want to put into that, that place. Oh, and yeah. I'm, I'm like, why is this, why am I drawing a blank right now? Uh, and then I go thinking outside of my head. So, yeah, I, I, I've always think that, you know, I, I try to some, suppress all that subconscious stuff that you know i'm trying to make this point my subconscious yep. is saying well you need to teach if you're gonna say that you gotta say this and if you're gonna say yep. that well you gotta say that down below that and when you know a lot about this stuff leadership or lane hey, yeah you gotta you gotta go away it's like you can't ever get to the bottom of where you actually need to start because hey, yeah. it's not simple to teach the whole uh and i don't know if you you do much uh like networking and you probably did when you first started like going into networking groups and stuff and they're like you get 30 seconds to talk about what you're here for like i can't do this in 30 seconds <laughs> <laughs> yeah you gotta have your 30 second elevator speech they call it right you gotta be yeah. you gotta be ready <laughs> i'm ready for them now because you know i got that tagline says help you know, what we do is I, I help leaders engage the front line to improve the bottom line yeah, yeah. through workforce development. You know, the people who lead them and the people who support them. That's, you know, I got that down now. If somebody asks me, I can drop it down, <laughs> but I used to not have it. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, I'm like, I can't do this in 30 seconds. And, and I, I've gotten a better line now, but yeah, at first I was just like, you, you can't be <laughs> giving me just, I'm like, I got too much to talk about here. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's too deep. So yeah. It, it happened to me because I was going to ask you something you said a minute ago. Uh, I was going to mention, but I can't even think of it now because that, that's what happens, right? You get this overload, yeah. you got to suppress, and and then you don't get there. Yep. But that's that's I always say, don't worry, I got plenty. I got yep. plenty. I can move on to something else. But so so how have you actually used any of the the content? I think you mentioned it. The license. Have you taught that to anybody? And what kind of results did you get out of like just sharing it with somebody and have they, you know, they like it or they don't like it. So I've actually gotten uh, good results out of when I've, I've brought it in. Cause what I'll usually do is combine it with the, the lean training. Cause I, I believe that you need to teach people leadership plus lean, because if you don't teach them both principles, they're not going to understand how to build teams because with lean, you need teams. It, it's not a, it's not a me work. It's a, it's bringing people together and having people work together rather than trying to do everything and then telling people, well, you have to do it this way. Because I've seen that too many times when you go into places as far as the places I've worked at, as far as somebody will put a, a process into place and then get upset when those people weren't following the standards. Well, they didn't even go and start. You tell a story about this of, of you went into a place and you was working with the, this the place and that you had mentioned to the, plant manager, production manager, frontline manager, whichever one it was that you was going to take so-and-so's podium away. And the, the, somehow it inadvertently- Yeah, yeah, the got, platform, yep, yep. Yeah, the yep. platform yep. inadvertently got to that person. Well, a lot of times, uh, a lot of places will do that. They'll, they'll just go in there and take the person's platform away and basically tell them to deal with it. Yep. Where what you're really trying to do is go in there and get everybody to work together, have a bunch of bunch of ideas and make the process to where it fits everybody. Because a lot of times those people at the front lines are already doing the proper process. They're just 
clutter in between those processes that just needs to be cleaned up in order to make it more efficient and, and, and run much smoother. And once they understand that you're not there to hurt them, and, and that's the big reason I bring in your leadership training as far build as- Build a relationship. To Using build it to build a relationship. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's really, I, I know a lot of my posts talk about that as far as I go in and I talk about you have to build relationships. If you don't have relationships, you're going to be working against a lot of people. Uh, but going back to my early days when I was first a frontline or uh, I was a, a line lead, um, I remember the first thing I had to learn was how to lead those people. And in order to lead those people, what I did was I learned a lot of their jobs and learned how oh, yeah. to shoot their jobs and how to help them out. And, and, in the summertime, because it was a foundry, in the summertime, I would give them longer breaks in order to get them off the floor much longer, or I would give them inadvertent breaks because they, they may be overheating or anything, or uh, take the molds off for them or help them uh, do things that that would help them be faster, more efficient. And, and it, it, in that, that, that job, where I was at was really the bottleneck of the facility. We ended up breaking like the record of, of uh, wheels poured two or three times because of the fact that I was willing to go and help those people out. And when I showed that I was willing to help them out, my employees would help me out. And that's really where I developed a lot of my, my leadership and wanting to help people at the front lines and help them. I, I wish I had known you back then. Then I could have used a lot of this because we probably could have done book studies and and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, have you done book studies with anybody in 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 your job? I the the one I've done one book study with one group that I was doing with, and it it really took well at the at the uh, at where I was working at with them. So yeah, it, and I think they learn more from the book study than me just sitting up there regurgitating things. Yeah, because then they they get to tie those principles to their world, literally. Like, yeah. like we don't ever know their world good as they know their world. So, yeah. so if we can kind of help them tie it, whether they're reading a book or whether you're talking to them in person, once once you get that interaction and, you know, what what's this mean to you? Which is basically what they get to do yeah. during the book study. They get opportunity to say it. But probably, probably you probably still see what I always saw and I still see. And I, I, I hate it, but it's just the way it is. But. I mean, my background is manufacturing and manufacturers mm -hmm. are probably the, the the least, it's the smallest segment of the people that I support because they will not stop production to invest in oh, the development yeah. of, of the people. They'll stop it to improve the process, Yeah, but, but, but it's still hard to even get them to do that, even though the process is going to pay for itself over and over and over. But getting them to slow down to invest in the development of people is almost impossible. And that's why I did the book study with, I I, I, I crammed it into my training. Basically. So it was like, it was a way to help them out because I, I wanted, I wanted to be able to uh, be able to build relationships with them. And, and when you sit down and talk to people and, and get to understand what they're doing, it was easier for us to start implementing what we was doing out on the floor. It, it, Got it, the mindset right. Yeah. They had a language to talk about stuff. Because all you do is provoke thought, raise their level of awareness. And yeah promote the right thought and then it's their thought it ain't your thought anymore now it's their thought and then yep. you become aligned with them and everybody's more willing to work together it's a the book studies jason and you probably know this but just for the, for the listeners that maybe don't know it 
if you just like you do a lean team, a Kaiser team, you want a cross-functional team, you get all kind of people from all different areas on there, and it breaks down to silos because they build relationships during your Kaizen event. But same thing happens with book studies, but leaders who haven't done it don't even know it. A lot of them want these silos. We, we got too many silos. We'll, we'll do book studies with people from all these silos, but they just still don't, they won't do it because it takes leadership and they're not leaders, they're managers. Yeah, exactly. And that's a, a lot of what I always see is that it just, you got too many people in so early on in my career, uh, I remember coming in and giving an answer to the uh, the plant manager, and he said something. I said I assumed, and he looks at me and he goes, "And I don't know about the." I'm kind of cussing. I don't know if the, the, I, I I said I assumed, and he said, "You know what assume means?" And I'm like, "No." He goes, "It makes an ass out of you and me." And I'd never even thought of it that way as far as a lot of times people aren't communicating because they think they're too busy. And when you do sit down with those book studies and or sit down with the training and let people talk and, and start talking to each other and working together, that's when they start realizing that, oh, this person isn't really actually against me. I just made that assumption based off of I was too busy. They're too busy and we're not working together. Sorry, my dog's barking in the background. It's all right. I didn't really even notice it, but, but it's, uh, you know, that's what happens. We, everybody's always telling themselves a story. And the problem is whenever we talk to ourselves, we've got two problems. One problem is we're always listening. <laughs> we, yep. we may not listen to anybody else, but we listen to what we're telling ourselves. And the second yep. part of that, that it isn't always a problem, but often it's a problem is we believe what we're telling ourselves is the truth. We think it's yes. always yep. true. I mean, you know, some people, some people take their lives because of what they're telling themselves and they're not even talking to anybody. They've done cut off everybody mm -hmm. and they've, they've told themselves a story that, that ain't true, but, but yet they believe it. You know, that's an extreme. And I share that because people can understand what I just said, because it is, it is an extreme. Right. And to be honest with you, Mac, I did my, so my mom passed about two years ago, but I think that that, that she went through that and, and seeing her go through it, I, I think that was another thing that kind of taught me of sometimes you it, you got to look into things instead of just going to that extreme of where you shelter yourself and cut everybody off. Uh, so yeah, I, I can fully. Yep. It's, it's, it's how we, we see the world as we are. You know, yeah. we don't see it as it is. We see it as we are. And that's why, you know, Rhea talks on this a lot. She talks about, you know, you hear of uh, a post-traumatic, stress mm -hmm. but she talks about post-traumatic growth you know after you go th through some stuff to you know to grow because of it is is better than having the stress but she talks about it in a way that i ain't really heard any other people talk about it but she she likes to talk about pre-traumatic growth Gr yeah. grow so before you go through something that you don't go through it the same kind of way you know like i do today i don't i don't go through stuff like i used to i don't even experience no. things like i i mean i don't even get involved in all of the problems i used to have they're not even it ain't even something I have to deal with. I, I'm, I grew so much, you know, before the next one came. I don't have they ain't a next. Well, it's it's like you uh, talk, and this is something I've learned for for the longest time. You always talked about it used to be if something happened, you would get upset and and ugly uh, upset. <laughs> yeah, and I was the same way. Like I would get upset because I made that assumption that uh, would working in a in a factory you you would get upset you wouldn't talk to the other person on the other shift to see what happened and you'd just be instantly upset with them and wouldn't even talk to them 
the, there might have been something that happened in the middle of the night that they didn't get to record something and they're you're like well they just didn't tell me and i'm like now i'm as i step back and i'm like you know that was stupid <laughs> i'm like now if something happens i just kind of go yeah it's it's no big deal like even well the the book i'm currently reading uh the uh, economic parables that it talks about in there it used to be he talks about he used to get upset if somebody crowded in line now he's like well what if they didn't know that the line was where it was at case in point uh world baseball classic was down here a big baseball fan went to the world baseball yeah. classic the first night i went was uh britain versus u.s lines were long but i knew where the lines were at second night was mexico versus u.s there's a, a big spanish falling down here so the the, I've never seen Diamondbacks or the Diamondbacks filled that packed till the World yeah. Series this year. Yeah. And the lines were basically the night of the Britain game was they were straight. The night of the Mexico game, it was like this. Zigzag. Yeah. We literally walked through the same line, thought we was getting in the back of the line that I'd gotten in the night before. And here the back of that line was like literally not even <laughs> close to where we was at. Oh, you done cut through a bunch of lines. It sounded like yeah. <laughs> repeatedly, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So, so we didn't know that the line was there, and we accidentally cut in line, and people were giving us dirty looks, and we're like, we didn't know where we was at. <laughs> so, yeah. And you know, I got a story at, at the moment, literally, like right here where we live. They're developing a subdivision across the street. Used to just be wood woods over there, and and they started working cutting the timber back in first of August. And, you know, I, I think about the other, my other, my neighbors now, cause they don't bother me. I don't even, yeah. I'm just telling it, but I, I understand how it used to would have bothered me because my every single day at the end of the day, when, once they quit, I go out and spray my cars off with, you know, my truck and Rhea's car with a water hose. Cause it's covered in dust every day mm -hmm. and the house is covered in dust and, and our back porch, we got a screened in back porch and every day the tables and the chairs are covered in dust and, you know, that's, it's just, it's just life. They got a right to do that. But used to, I'd have been angry about that. I guarantee you, my, one of my neighbors, actually, he's retired and he's, he's got a, a, a car business, like a car cleaning business. He just does okay. it periodically, but he's, he's high dollar guy. He don't get a lot of work, but he does, he does with the clay bar and he does like all these ceramic coating. He does some good stuff, but he does it <laughs> right outside of his garage right there in his, in his yard. Normally it's, they basically shut down his, part-time business I, I bet he's he fired up but but i don't even care i just go out and spray with the hose and thing i bet yeah. my neighbors are irritated because they're the way i used to be probably more more than likely but 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 that's how i'm talking about pre pre-traumatic growth i mean I ain't, yeah. I ain't had that problem but i also think about like when i'm speaking to construction companies in the future I, I never had this level of awareness about you know when they go do something like that i ain't ever lived across the road but what i know now if i was that construction company owner they ain't that many neighbors here are affected by it, probably like five or six houses or something. Yeah. First thing I'd do is I'd come over and say what we're going to be doing. I'd go meet the people and tell them what we're going to be doing. And I'd say, you know, I went ahead and purchased you guys a, a annual pass, you know, up here at the automatic car wash. It's like five miles away. Probably cost less than a hundred dollars or something for a year. I don't know how much it'd be for unlimited. I'd give everybody one of those and, you know, build some trust and, and some goodwill, you know, I know I'll be going to get your car dirty, but here's your thing to go get it cleaned, you know, for the next year. And, you know, something like that I would do, but you still might have people going to be mad at you or whatever, but yep. because see, I guarantee you my neighbors, one of them I know is talking bad about 
these folks, right? And that's word of mouth for their business. But just things like that, that, you know, a lot of business owners don't really think about how's their business impacting the community who's also talking about how, how they work and how they operate. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that even though we always talk about it's social media, I think it's actually gotten worse with social media because I think we actually communicate less with it because usually I, I keep, I, I can't hardly watch the news anymore because it's like, it's just people yelling at each other. And that's what social media a lot of times is, is people yelling at each other without verbally saying it. Yeah. And and trying to make you believe what they believe versus, you know, the news instead of the news, just, I wish we had the old days of news where they just tell you what happened in the world and you figure <laughs> out what to do with it. But there really ain't none of that news. And the only way you're going to get it is you got to read the news, which I read a lot. You know, I read X a lot, but you got to search for it and you got to read through the junk. And yep. there's so much distrust in our world. It's unfortunate. And, you know, health wise, government wise, every kind of way, so much loss of trust and people yep. can't hardly even function. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know what to do or who to believe. Yeah. It's, it's really sad, but I'm doing what I can do to, to help yep. fix the real root cause when we're talking lean is, the root cause of every problem we got is character. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Well, and I appreciate it, you being here to help. I I appreciate it as well. It, I, like I said, it, it, if I hadn't found you and, and other people, I'd probably be in the same boat that I was 10 years ago. Uh, the, the complaining and, and thinking it was everybody else's fault and and not realizing that I had to look in the mirror and, and look at myself as, as well and, and be part of the Rather than complaining, be part of the solution. You got yeah. anything you really, really wanted to to share that maybe popped well, up? You didn't get a chance, or I, I just like people to 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 be able to understand that there is help out there. Um, people like yourself, like myself, um, there's a different pathway than than what I thought there was when I was early on. I, I thought. To, to be honest with you, I thought the only pathway was either you go to college and or you go to a, you go to college or you go to a, a and I don't mean this derogatory. You go to a blue collar job and be a become a loser. And I realized that you're not a loser in a blue collar job. I, I, I you're I, a contributor. Yeah, you're a contributor, and there, there there's a lot of good people at the front lines, and there's the, the and really with the not just in manufacturing but also in in construction and in the warehouse industry and in pretty much any any frontline blue collar job there's plenty of people there that they want to do better and they want to to see better you just got to show that you you really do care about them and you want them to advance and and one thing also going back to blue collar jobs I know we talked a little bit about manufacturing of not shutting things down also yeah. showing that that you can train them at the front lines and train them in stuff that they need to be trained in because a lot of times those people at the front lines don't see a pathway. Uh, and if you start showing them a, a pathway to get there, such as something as, as simple as what me and you do as far as doing lean training or leadership training, it, it helps them grow and helps them advance their careers. Yep. And what you're touching on now, you know, that's one reason – I, I do the book deal because mm -hmm. because sometimes all somebody needs is an introduction. Even though I might not get to speak to those folks, I may not they may not get to do book studies, but maybe I speak to twenty or thirty other leaders and 
these leaders buy 300 books or 900 books. I'm, I mean, I'm, as soon as we get done recording this podcast, I'm about to go order 3,000 okay. plus books, you know, to ship to a, a client who is doing book studies with with a workforce of 1,800 people. That, okay. and, and, and I mean, it's, it's powerful, but a lot of companies get the books, but the people don't do book studies and they don't hear us speak. We just speak to the leaders, but the leaders will actually go give out the books. And, yeah. and some people, all they need is that introduction and they'll be curious and they'll open it. And it'd be like me when, the, when my friend gave me the one hour audio and changed my life because I fed myself. Once I learned where to eat, I started feeding myself. And, and a lot of people yep. in any blue collar jobs, they ain't familiar with this type stuff. So yeah. thank yeah. you for getting out there and, and giving it to them. So I think it looks like we got, we got almost an, an hour wrapped up. That didn't take long, did it? No, no. Actually, it doesn't typically. I, there's times I've been in uh, in places that it felt like it took forever. On on a on a podcast, you mean yes, something like yes, that? Yeah, yeah. A couple of podcasts. It's like you get to the get to the 15 minute point, and it's like, are you kidding me? This is I still got that long. <laughs> yeah, we we could go all day talking. Ain't no doubt about yeah. that because we're yeah. on the same level and we value a lot of the same stuff. So, yep. really, really appreciate you you being you know, on here to share what it means to you and what you're doing. And I hope maybe some of my audience who needs some lean support, Jason Haynes, H-A-I-N-E-S, yeah. look him up on LinkedIn at a minimum, follow him on LinkedIn because he puts out some stuff like like I do. He he helps, you know, I put out the daily drip. I don't know if you do it daily, but you do it pretty consistently. Yeah. Yeah, I, I typically do it daily, uh, usually at 7.30, uh, 7.30 Arizona time. And I say Arizona because we don't uh, observe. Y'all don't change. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, well, I appreciate you being here and, and thank you. And we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. That's good with you. Yep. Thank you, Mac. All right. Thanks, Jason. Everybody talk to you next time. Make it happen or someone else will. It might as well be you. Are you serious about taking your career and your life to the next level and beyond? Check out Mac Story's Blue Collar Leadership Series books and others, now available on audio, along with paperback and ebooks at Amazon, iTunes, and Audible. Please visit bluecollarleadership.com to learn about Mac's books, programs, special offers, certifications, and more. Thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Leadership Podcast.